the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church. And so what this has been for me and my family is a trial. You know, God has allowed this now. Some people have said to me, well, is this a satanic attack? Is this spiritual warfare? Maybe. It could be. Uh, But always remember this, that Satan is God's devil, and he can only do what God allows him to do. And ultimately, God has a bigger plan, and Satan, whether he likes it or not, plays into it. I can see the promised land, though there's pain within the plan. There is victory in the end, your love is my battle cry, the answer for all my life. Every giant will fall, the mountains will move, every chain of the past you've broken into, all the fear of the lies, we're singing the truth, that nothing is. Hello and welcome to the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose, California. What a blessing it is for us that you've joined us today for the program as we hear an update from Pastor Keith and Hillside's Mark Stickler about some of the recent health challenges that Pastor Keith has been facing. Now let's join Mark Stickler as he kicks off this conversation with Pastor Keith. All right, Keith, yeah, let's talk a little bit about your health, how you've been doing. I know that we've made some adjustments to our schedule uh, a few weeks back, um, and I think it'd just be a good time to just kind of fill people in on how you've been doing, how you've been uh, going through this process. And maybe for some of those people who might be listening to us for the first time, why don't you just do a little brief history on what's been going on with you? Sure, Mark. Well, uh, August 12th uh, was my birthday, and a friend of mine called me, and we were catching up. And this guy is one of the healthiest people I know. And as you know, I'm kind of a health nut, too. I exercise regularly. I, I eat well, this, that, and the other. And I had been holding out on getting a COVID-19 vaccine because I just wasn't satisfied with the lack of longitudinal studies on the safety of the vaccine. But my friend had spent three months in uh, ICU and two months in critical care. He had COVID. And that got me to thinking because I'm responsible to serve at this church and I have some particular family challenges health-wise with uh, one of my daughters that... I have to help with, and I determined that I could not go down for two or three months with COVID. And so as a precaution, my wife and I uh, both got the COVID vaccine, uh, the Johnson Johnson vaccine, on August 14th of this year. And within about four or five days, I started to notice some peculiar symptoms. My hands began to tingle. My feet began to tingle. I was experiencing some levels of numbness. 
Shortly after that, I was awakened in the middle of the night with intense pain in the backs of my legs and lower back. And then uh, paralysis in my face began to set in. Uh, I was having difficulty eating, chewing, swallowing food. And then this neural pain, I'd never had neural pain. I've broken bones. I've been cut. You know, we've all had bumps and bruises. But this neural pain spread to my entire body. And all of my pain sensations, that's all I felt was pain. I couldn't touch bed sheets to lay down at night. I, I couldn't sit very long. I couldn't stand very long because my whole body hurt. It was like I was being electrocuted. Eventually, my hands felt like they were being immersed in ice all the time. And naturally, I ended up in the emergency room, and their tests were inconclusive. Two or three days later, I ended up back up in the emergency room again, and it was determined that I had uh, one of three problems. I either had a stroke, I had multiple cirrhosis, or I had something called Guillain-Barre syndrome, which is an autoimmune syndrome. Uh, autoimmune syndrome, like Guillain-Barre, was also one of the side effects of, I think, the Pfizer and the Johnson & Johnson vaccine, and basically the symptoms as I described them. And it was determined later on through a series of neurological tests that I had a vaccine injury. Uh, there are a lot of people with the, this injury. It's a very uncommon disease, uh, but in this case, that came from my COVID vaccine. Now, this injury can come from any vaccine, but in my case, the trigger was the COVID vaccine. And so that's supposedly easily treated by an IVIG infusion where they put immunoglobulin antibodies in your system and it shuts down or or makes dormant Guillain-Barre syndrome. Now, GBS, as it's called, basically attacks the peripheral nervous system. And so what was happening was something called the myelin sheath on my nerves was being attacked and dissolved and damaged by the disease. By my own, my own immune system was attacking my body. And that led to muscle weakness, uh, numbness, uh, neuropathy, neural pain, partial paralysis, you name it. And in some cases, and it wasn't in my case, that could lead to people ending up on a respirator. But in my case, it did not. They believed at that time I had a mild case of the disease. So I, I had four IVIG infusions, and I began to improve. I eventually returned to work, and September was fairly good. I returned to preaching a couple of services, and uh, in October, it looked like uh, I was taking a, a dive, sort of. Probably too dramatic a term, but it looked like I was regressing. I went back in and was examined by my neurologist, and he determined the disease was back. I had another IVIG infusion, and I've since then had a third infusion, and that seems to have made significant improvement. And I will be returning to the pulpit this Sunday, uh, December 12th, uh, part of, as part of our Christmas series. And so here we are. Today, I uh, do not have paralysis. I do have muscle weakness in my legs. Uh, I do have some numbness in my hands and feet. But I am doing much, much better, and I'm on the mend. But that that mend is incremental. They think it's going to be six months to a year until my legs recover because when those nerves are misfiring or not firing at all, your muscles atrophy, and I experienced a great deal of muscle atrophy. And I've got to put some weight back on. I lost about 20 pounds. I've got to uh, exercise, do some physical therapy, and hopefully continue to mend. All right, so everything seems to be good. You seem to be on the mend. So is that the end of your treatment, or is there more to come? Actually, no. I will have uh, more infusions in December, January, February, and March as they transition me to 
a new treatment protocol. So it seems I may have the chronic version of GBS, which is called chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy. What does that mean? That's CIDP. It just basically means it's hard to get rid of. And so they're going to transition me to a new treatment, and I'll be getting uh, a sister infusion while they so-called wean me off of the uh, IVIG and put me on this other treatment, which is supposed to uh, manage the disease or send it into remission. And hopefully we'll get this under control, and I'll get back to normal normal. So that's kind of where we're at right now. Um, on the mend, uh, it, we have a strategy, and, uh, you know, I'm going to be around for a long time, Lord willing. <laughs> Absolutely, Lord willing. We never know what tomorrow holds. Uh, you know, I, I remember when this whole thing started, and I was actually kind of taken aback when you said it started back in August um, because I didn't realize so much time has elapsed because I think for me and, and a lot of us who know you, you know, you're pretty – uh, typically healthy, active guy. And so it seemed like it was going to be a pretty short road to recovery. And now it looks like it's going to be a little bit longer of a road. And so maybe take us through a little bit how you've been processing through this just as a Christian, as a believer, walking through some of these struggles um, and and realizing, you know, that your body isn't, um, isn't being as nice to you as you would like it to be. And the recovery isn't as quick as maybe we would all have hoped it would have been. Yeah. You know, it's funny. When I, when I received my initial diagnosis, they said, oh, don't worry about it. You know, 90% of the people uh, are back in action in between, you know, quickly. Uh, we're exper- we're, we expect to get this under control in between 4 and 12 weeks, and your recovery will begin, and in a year you'll be as good as new. Well, I like that diagnosis, but that wasn't, that wasn't the Lord's will for me. And uh, and so, you know, as they kept going back to the drawing board a little bit, uh, and I'm, I'm fortunate that my specialist is really one of the authorities on this disease, uh, you know, it's going to take longer. You know, everybody's a little bit different. Each person is as different as a fingerprint. One fingerprint is to another. And also, God has raised us all up for such a time as this, and he's called all of us, each of us, to different missions in life. Not everybody's a pastor, not everybody's you know, a banker, and everybody's this, and everybody's that, and we all face our unique trials. You know, and in James chapter 1, it says, count it all joy whenever you encounter various and sundry trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let endurance have its maturing or perfecting work, leaving you adequate and complete, lacking in nothing. And it goes on to say, but if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given him. And then there's the warning about let him ask in faith without doubting, for the one who doubts is, you know, like the surf of the sea driven and tossed by the wind, uh, a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. And so what this has been for me and my family is a trial. You know, God has allowed this now. Some people have said to me, well, is this a satanic attack? Is this spiritual warfare? Maybe. It could be, uh, but always remember this, that Satan is God's devil, and he can only do what God allows him to do, and ultimately God has a bigger plan, and Satan, whether he likes it or not, plays into it. You know, and In the Gospels, uh, Jesus says to, to, to Peter, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you, and when you, and when you are restored, encourage the brethren. Now, if I had written that, it would have said, Satan, uh, Simon, Simon, uh, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. But I, and, and I would have said, if I were Peter, and you said no, right? <laughs> but 
But you know what? God didn't say no. You know, you, you see in the book of Job, you know, where God points uh, Job out to Satan. If you consider my servant Job, there's none like him. And, you know, Job uh, just suffers incredible, incredible hardship. And we're told that, you know, Job uh, did not sin against God. Job did not sin with his lips. I mean, Job got worn out. Job got tired. But I think one of the seminal passages in Job is, and this is in the old King James, though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. So a long answer to a short question, Mark, is this. Um, This is a trial. God has ordained it for me. He won't give me more than I can handle. And if he does, as it says in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he'll provide a way to escape. But I'm to learn something. I'm to bear witness to him. Uh, He's teaching me humility. He's teaching me dependence. He's teaching me that I'm not indestructible. And he's teaching me that, you know, God can use the weak things of the world and does to display his glory, to confound the wicked, to humble the powerful, you know. Uh, And so... This is a trial for me, and I think it, hopefully it's a, a witness and a testimony to God's glory and God's grace to those who are walking through this trial with me, be it the church family or my literal family. It's, it's hard, but God is good. I trust him. We understand his character. All of his decisions are perfect, and all we need to do is say, what now, what next, God? Yeah, absolutely. I think for me, uh, being able to sit sit back and kind of like see you walk through this and and see how you handle this trial it has been an encouragement uh and i'm sure for for many other people because uh well all of your mental faculties are there and all of your desires to continue to preach to continue to stay in the pulpit to continue to just live a normal life um were all there and there was just some physical things that just made uh some of those things harder than they needed to be and uh and so it has been an encouragement uh, one of the other things that I've kind of had, I've actually had some people ask me, and I'm sure that they've asked you, is, uh, well, why? Why would you get the vaccine? Like, didn't you know this would happen? Things like that. And I think you kind of addressed it at the beginning. Like, obviously, you know, you talked to your friend. Um, and probably to do over again, you wouldn't do it over. But um, but maybe just talk through that that process of, of looking at the data and, and deciding for yourself um, – to get the vaccine and and then maybe how that affects um, some of us and our choices to get the vaccine. Sure. I and mean, we've talked about this in previous podcasts. The vaccine is a matter of conscience for people. If you get the vaccine, it doesn't mean that you are a Christian. If you get the vaccine, it doesn't mean that you aren't a Christian. If you don't get the vaccine, the same applies. It's a matter of conscience. There's a risk calculation. We, You know, if you're under 40, uh, you probably are safe without it, you know, again, it's a choice you have to make. Do you have comorbidities? What, you know, what's your general health outlook? We know that children are not at great risk. We know that, that COVID has a 99.9% recovery factor for people under 70, and I'm certainly under 70. But I had to, I had to think about uh, other people uh, beside my preference. I am not a fan of the vaccines. I'm, not a, I'm t- entirely opposed to the vaccine mandate. But it was a calculated risk for the sake of my church family and my human family. And uh, this time, that calculation didn't work out. Uh, I personally believe I would have been better off not getting the vaccine in my case. I don't have that any comorbidities. Age, my age is not a comorbidity. You know, I was doing 100, 200 push-ups a day, two sets of 100. I was doing 40 minutes of core work four days a week, walking three to four miles a day with my wife. I have a very strict diet. 
I'm in good health. But I thought about, you know, you know what, what if, and I elected of my own free will to have the vaccine. My wife had the same vaccine, the same lot number, no reaction on her part. And so it's just one of those things. This is part of God's sovereign plan. It isn't exactly the story that I would write, but God knows best. Father knows best. And so here we are. I've had the vaccine. I cannot undo it. And now we just soldier on, uh, seeing where God is going to lead us. The good news is it's not fatal. Um, I can sit down and preach for the next month or two if I have to. I will be preaching. I will be back in the pulpit. I'll be present and participating in the Christmas concert uh, Friday night at 7 p.m. Be there. And, uh, and my ministry continues on. Yeah, and I, I think what you say there is, is a really important thing for us all to understand is, as we consider these things. You know, there's there's people outside of ourselves, people that depend on us. It's There's a calculation that I have to make uh, in my own life. I have a family that I have to provide for. I have students that come to this church every Wednesday and, and expect me to be there for them. Um, and it's and so it's a calculation, and, and I really uh, enjoy how you, you said that, and you just kind of laid that out as a, as a matter of personal conscience for everybody as you consider the risk factors and those things involved. Um, so now, uh, you know, you're kind of looking at this thing and it's, it seems like it's going to be a chronic thing. There's, there's a much longer path to recovery. Um, how do you, how do you kind of see all of that working out in the future and, um, just playing out? Are you just going to say, you know what, God, take me, take me on the ride that you're taking me. Um, what are you, what are you looking forward to, I guess? Would well, be the question. first of all, <laughs> Whether I say, God, take me on the ride you're going to take me on, he's going to do it anyway, right? He's Absolutely. sovereign. I'm not. <laughs> uh, but, you know, here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's not a terminal disease. I have my faculties. I'll be preaching. I'll be ministering for as long as, the God, as God allows. Uh, it's something to learn from. It's a way to hopefully glorify God. I've got a lot to learn as a believer still. I'm a work in progress. God is sanctifying my life and the lives of those around me through this disease. And I, you know, in my mind, I'm a relatively young man. I'm a mature man, an older man to some extent, but I'm not done yet. And as Mark Twain said, rumors of my demise are greatly exaggerated when all these newspaper articles appeared talking about Mark Twain's death when he was alive and well, I think, and living in New York at the time. Rumors of my demise are greatly exaggerated. I'm called to serve God here at Hillside as long as he'll let me and the good people of Hillside let me. And I look forward to many, many more years of ministry here in San Jose at Hillside Church, where we are trying to change this world one soul at a time with the message of Jesus Christ. That's my mission. That's our mission. That's the mission that I'm committed to. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, many more sermons to come as well as many more podcasts. Yep. Um, and so as we uh, as we kind of wrap up today's brief update, um, why don't you just talk a little bit about where we're going to be going in the next couple of weeks as we continue on in the corruption of the institutions and kind of what's what we have to look sure. forward to there. Sure. We're, well, before we do that, let me just do a couple of what I call shameless plugs. Oh, yes. Those are good. Oh, yeah. Number one, we have the Christmas concert this Friday at 7 p.m. Come and join us. Bring your friends. Bring your neighbors. Bring workmates. Uh, we have this series on Sunday, which are the, the, the it's the cast of Christmas, where we look at each cast of each member of the cast of characters in the Christmas story and the Christmas miracle. And uh, Pastor Chris is going to has preached on Simeon and this this Sunday at 
8, 9.30, and 11, I'm preaching on the Magnificat when Mary, you know, breaks into song about my soul has proclaimed the greatness of the Lord. And we'll continue on that path. Our Christmas Eve uh, services are at 3 and 5 on Christmas Eve, December 24th. We invite you to join us there. So anyway, uh, where are we headed next? We continue our discussion of the corruption of institutions. Uh, We're going to be talking about the academy and uh, a professor at Old Dominion University trying to legitimize pedophilia, uh, books written uh, by the California University system about it, uh, just where our culture is going, uh, and and we'll continue that whole discussion because this is a matter of grave concern uh, for the Christian, for the parent, uh, for the for the student, and, and that's where we're headed in the short term. Yeah, absolutely. And I think as we talked about it a little bit uh, earlier, we talked about just the truth. And I think as we see these things coming in, these corruption and the institutions, and we just see where everything is going, I think that, uh, you know, hopefully we're going to make it clear to you as Christians, as as believers, that there's a, a truth, an absolute truth. And that's that there's a God who created this universe and he sent his son to die on a cross for me, for you. Uh, to to reconcile the relationship that was broken and and as Christians as we look at all of these things that are going to be going wrong in our in our culture and in our society there's a truth that we are going to have to cling to and hold tighter to um, probably tighter than we've ever had to before. Pastor Keith Crosby, on today's edition of Grace to Live. We are so blessed that you've chosen to spend time with us today studying God's Word. And if you'd like more information on Pastor Keith or Hillside Church, here's how you can connect with us. Our mailing address is 545 Hillsdale Avenue in San Jose, California, 95136. The church office telephone line is area code 408 269 4782. And you can connect with us on our website, which is gracetoliveradio.org. There you can check out archived messages of past sermons and also listen to Pastor Keith's weekly blog. And please remember that the Grace to Live Radio program is a listener-supported ministry outreach of Hillside Church if you'd like to partner with us financially. Again, all of these things are available to you on our website, gracetoliveradio.org. Also, I'd like to remind you that Pastor Keith and the staff here at Hillside always look forward to hearing from you. So if you'd like to drop us a note, you can email us here at keith at hillside.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time for Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves. And on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you. And thanks for listening.
Hey everyone, this is Kevin Reeves, your host of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with some exciting news to share from Pastor Keith. Based on the overwhelming responses to our questions and answer services held here at Hillside Church, Pastor Keith has decided to expand this idea to our radio listening audience here on Grace to Live. We will be starting what we like to call Mailbag Fridays here on Grace to Live. This is where our listeners can email us questions about the scriptures, the church, or just life in general. And Pastor Keith will read and answer your questions on the air during one of our Mailbag Friday broadcasts. More details on this to follow soon. So be listening for the grand rollout of our new Mailbag Friday segments here on Grace to Live. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.